Living the Principles. This podcast is hosted by Latricia Smith and Phyllis G. Williams. Living the Principles seeks to expand mindsets, express beliefs, and edify excellence in hopes of building a stronger Black community. Welcome to Living the Principles. Welcome. I am Latricia, and with me is my co-host, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis. Hello, Latricia. Hello out there, Difference Makers. Today, we are going to be focusing on not Juneteenth alone, but also the foolery. We have done two previous episodes of Juneteenth, but now let's get into, now that it is a federal holiday, you know some things are going to go awry. So, Latricia, our episode is called Juneteenth Foolery. We've interviewed Opal Lee, the grandmother of Juneteenth, and talked about our personal experience with with Juneteenth. When I said I'm just here for the food, but that wasn't why I was really here. And we are just want to talk about some things that making us squint at some folks. Latricia, what are some things that really aches your belly in my Mississippi um, localisms. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about localisms. That. <laughs> I was thinking about one of your colloqui- colloquialisms, and mm-hmm. that was burns my grits. It really burns my grits when people talk about Juneteenth or anything for that matter without really knowing what it's all about. So last year, Juneteenth became a federal holiday. And people were saying things about it. And I think you even wrote a blog post about it where people said F Juneteenth. And I understand that not everyone is interested in celebrating Juneteenth. But don't degrade it. And don't say that it's not a real holiday. So there is one particular political pundit who said that Juneteenth is not a holiday and and it's a way for Democrats to help us keep ourselves looking like victims and a way to separate ourselves from America. And I was thinking about that and I was like, this is this is so incorrect because one, Juneteenth is a holiday and Long before it became a national holiday, Juneteenth has been celebrated since 1866. So what are you talking about? When the enslaved were notified that they were free in Galveston, Texas, the next year they celebrated. They had this jubilee celebration. And every year after that, people celebrated it. It doesn't have anything to do with Democrats or Republicans or politics for that matter. So why are people saying that? And also, it has nothing to do with separation. It really has more to do with unity. It's about we're all Americans now. We're all free, even though you know and I know that we all weren't free on Juneteenth. No, we weren't. And as you were speaking of that, I thought about you can enunciate, but that doesn't mean you can educate properly. But just because you sound a certain way, people will gravitate towards that. 
And that poor understanding of Juneteenth is a real hindrance for me also. And the same things that I saw last year, I'm seeing this year, the ignorance of it, saying this is a token holiday. And Opal Lee has fought for this to be a federal holiday for decades. So it's not a token holiday. It's not something to shut us up. There was blood, sweat, and tears put into this to become a federal holiday. And it's not just, I don't feel it's just giving us a bone to shut up. I think it's going to make a difference for these generations coming behind us. I know you and I were talking on the phone the other day and I said, man, Latricia, imagine how it, oh, that wasn't you. You know, my memory were bad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We all sound alike. (laughs) It was one of my other Southern sounding friends. And I said, man, imagine how our life experiences would have been as a child if we grew up celebrating Juneteenth in addition to the 4th of July or rather than the 4th of July. But either way, if Juneteenth was on the table, if our grandmothers made Blackberry Cobbler and talked about their grandmothers, if Around that time, they said, hey, we're going to pass down a tradition. This is how you stitch a quilt. This is something that came from your ancestors, and we want you to know about it. So now we have the opportunity to shift the upcoming generations with their cultures, with um, being more in tune with the ancestors, being more in tune with our culture in a positive way and not losing that piece of our identity. Exactly. That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. It's all about celebrating, commemorating, remembering. And I think the other thing that gets to me too is how people make it seem like it's about about slavery. It's not about slavery. It's about freedom. It's about these people being notified that they were free, that they no longer had to be enslaved. It's about freedom. That's why they had jubilee celebrations. They were elated that they were free. They weren't elated because of the history of slavery. So let's stop saying that it's about the end of slavery, in which I already said slavery didn't end on June 19th, 1865. If it did, there would have been no need for the 13th Amendment. And also, if you didn't know Indian territory, they didn't have to abide by those government rules. So they had to sign treaties. And the treaties that were signed in Indian territory happened after 1865. So it was not the end of slavery. It was the end of slavery in Texas. Texans were notified that they were free. More Texans were notified that they were free. Yes. And you can look at the documentaries and by you, I mean, the audience of people who were still somewhat enslaved in the 1960s and some places who didn't really understand that they did not have to live on this type of land anymore and not have to work for this family, not enslaved um, 
in a sense of legally, but in a sense of, of fear. If I leave, this is what's going to happen to me. And we talked about a celebration. So there's another. Now, this is just some foolery. On our first episode of Juneteenth, I said, I'm just here for the food and dance. But it's deeper than food and dance. But there was some foolery with the food. And one thing in particular that I want to talk about first is watermelon. Now, Latricia, there's nothing wrong with the Black community liking watermelon. It was vilified because we were actually flourishing from being farmers with the watermelon crop. But media is powerful. So if you put some little plaits on our head and make some sambo pictures, then hopefully the black population will start to be embarrassed by and say, well, I don't want to be perceived that way. So there's nothing wrong with black people liking watermelon. But there is something wrong with being a mockery. In, in Indianapolis, at the Children's Museum, did you hear about the watermelon salad? I did. I even saw the pictures of it. They really made me um, rub my chin and squint my eye because Black people, the article said people of color, were involved in it. And I want to use my Dr. Umar. I wish we had the capabilities to input sound bites. I was like, you don't find that suspicious? Yeah, I'm not sure if you've ever heard that Dr. Umar um, sound bite. I would put that in like, you don't find that suspicious? Like, why would you say watermelon salad and write the word Juneteenth on it? Yes, Juneteenth is associated with red food. But just like our family say, don't show out in front of company. You, you don't do that at a place where there's going to be a variety of people who, when they think of watermelon, they think of the mockery. And now you're giving people the opportunity to make a mockery of us. And I also scratch my chin on that because what was that type of cheese they had? Feta cheese? Yeah, it was better. Mm, that was questionable to me. I know we're innovative, but I just was like, feta cheese? Okay. All right. Yeah, Black people thought of that. Hmm. Or people of color. Somebody that's one-eighth Black. I don't know. But, um, you know, Black people matter. But that was very questionable to me for me i think it was the label the label that said juneteenth watermelon salad if it had just been watermelon salad then i would have thought nothing of it and i think the majority of people would have thought nothing of it you're walking in the deli or cafeteria wherever it was and there's a watermelon salad that's not unusual and even if it was part of their juneteenth menu because like you said Red food is a staple in Juneteenth celebrations, so it's not a big deal. But the fact that it said Juneteenth watermelon salad is what made me raise my eyebrow. So why make it a black watermelon salad? Right. Basically, what I was trying to say as well. So I know you know some other food issues. I'm going to let you talk about that. I think 
everybody who is on the internet saw the one about Walmart creating their Juneteenth ice cream. And I know all kinds of heck broke loose with that. They had the ice cream with the Pan-African and African, maybe it was the Ghanaian colors. I, I think there was yellow, red, black, and green. And I know people had a fit about that. And I believe, was it cream cheese and red velvet cake? Again, red velvet being one of those red foods. I think the issue that I really have with it, and I think the issue that I have with all of this stuff about people trying to capitalize off of these Black holidays or off of the backs of Black people is the fact that if you really care about the Black community, then you would incorporate the Black community. And there is a Black-owned ice cream company who has the exact flavor, cream cheese and red velvet cheesecake, ice cream. Why didn't you get their ice cream? And I believe the ice cream is even sold in Walmart. Why didn't you promote their brand? Why did you have to create your own brand and then put these colors on there like, you know, black power? That kind of stuff is what irritates me. Yes. And with Walmart, another issue that I had was they do give a back a lot of scholarships and grants to the community if you apply for it. However, I was wondering, why didn't they not only, one, support the already Black-owned business, but two, use this as an opportunity to make more Black-owned businesses? In honor of Juneteenth, Walmart will be giving away, and I'm just going to say a number that's probably drops in the bucket for them, will be giving away five, $20,000 scholarships for young Black African-Americans. That is how you truly show that you are invested in a community to me. And another thing, I was like, Walmart ice cream. Now, over the years, I have seen a company that I view as very vocal about injustice and social awareness is Ben and Jerry's. Now, I said Ben and Jerry's, those owners, to my knowledge, are not uh, are not black people, but they have been very vocal about many things that's happened in the black community. If they would have done that, I think they would have said in 30 percent of the proceeds will go to this organization. That shows how you're truly invested in the community. But as you said, this was corporate thirst and greed. In addition to the ice cream, I saw Kev on stage say, or he shared somebody who was an attorney, a trademark attorney. Not only did you try to create the, the ice cream, you tried to trademark Juneteenth. Whatever it was, Juneteenth deliciousness or Juneteenth ice cream, you try to trademark the flavor. You are a white corporation that's already making millions in your 
hey, we we're we're going to capitalize off this and control this. We're going to capitalize and control this. So that ice cream and that watermelon ached my belly. Just the thought of the motives behind it or the lack of awareness with the ice cream. And let me go back on, I'm sorry, the lack of awareness with the watermelon. Let me go back and say this because I know we live in a cancer culture. I feel regardless of your genetic makeup, you should know the background of that culture. And you should think about the consequences of what you're doing and the sensitivity that comes with what you're going to put out. So I know I said something about 1-8, but that's what I'm saying. And I think if you're far removed from the culture, you're not going to be as sensitive about it. For example, I may be one-eighth Irish, but I'm far removed from that culture. Exactly. And everything doesn't have to be exploited and commercialized. Let's just celebrate. Have the things that people use to celebrate and call it a day. You don't need to overdo it and have all this exploitation and over-commercialization. And I'm going to segue and say it's not a game. And by game, I mean the 343 industry pulled a Halo Infinite cosmetic marking Juneteenth that was named after an ape. User Smith's question the naming of Bonobo. And you know Bonobo is a monkey. So I'm not a gamer, but Halo is a game where you can have comeback gear and you can add like patches to it. So they had a red, black, and green Juneteenth patch. And once you select it, it'll say, so select the Bonobo Juneteenth patch, for example. Again, insensitivity. When you know a culture, you'll know that Black people were associated with monkeys and apes because we were one thing that's three-fifths human and two, unintelligent in that way, by being viewed as animalistic, it justified the mistreatment of us. So be sensitive, be mindful. And part of this, I have to say, now, was this really a mistake? How do Juneteenth and Ape even go together? That's hmm. an excellent question. How did they even make that connection? Was it an accident? That is also a great question. And they gave some, oh, yes, we do not. We love diversity at our company. But when you have a company that is tone deaf or that is not diverse, you can't say we honor diversity and everybody in the room is an old white man. So I think that's very important. And it leads me to think about this TikTok where I thought the sad thing is sometimes you're like, is this a joke or did this really happen? Because I think this happened in March. One thing that happened in March, I'm going to tell you two things on TikTok, uh, on social media. One thing that happened was in Arkansas and it was this flyer of three white people 
and they were doing a soul food cookout for Juneteenth. I seriously thought that it was satire. And then underneath it, there was an apology. I had seen it shared maybe three or four times on my timeline. And I said, oh, he's so funny. People, are, people come up with anything. No, they were serious. There was an all three white people who were going to do soul food cooking. And people were making jokes about it and all that stuff. But the fact that, no, really, they were going to do it. I said, oh, I thought that was satire. So I seen this thing on TikTok and I was like, is it satire or is this the truth? Because you don't know. But there were shirts and equipment that said stuff like, it's the freedom for me. And I'm saying this because it goes back to lacking diversity in your company. Break every chain, take the shackles, take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. What? Yes, that's a Mary Mary song, but um, I don't think that's a good idea to put on a t-shirt. So we definitely need some diversity and we definitely need proper representation. So Latricia, I know we brought up the colors because on the Halo Infinite, that was red, black, and green. And the ice cream, I know it was red. I'm not sure about the other colors, but there are a lot of red, black, and greens. There's even arguments of people saying, why are y'all wearing red, white, and blue? But that's the color of the Juneteenth flag. So you want to go into the colors and why it's important to represent things as they should be? Yeah, I <laughs> first, I just want to, I want to say something about what you said about TikTok and these white people wearing these T-shirts. I think the thing about the T-shirts to me is these phrases, they just seem so inappropriate. But the fact that white people are wearing them just makes it even that more weird to me. Those white people aren't wearing them. They're making them like they may... They may make them on Etsy and sell them or on any type of shop they have. They're making these shirts because they're like, it's a profit. I can make some money now. Come on, let me think of a good T-shirt saying, oh, yeah, sister. Oh, yeah, Black people say, it's the the hell for me. So I'm going to say, it's the freedom for me. Oh, yeah, they're like that. Okay, okay. Well, I did see a mock-up with a white lady wearing one of the Juneteenth T-shirts, so. That was weird, too. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. It goes back to commercializing everything. As far as the colors go, it goes back to that comment that somebody made before about being separate. It's not about being separate. It's about being American. Now that freedom has come for for the people in Galveston and other places where the Emancipation Proclamation had been known, it's about being American. So the people who created the Juneteenth flag, they created it to be red, white, and blue. And there is a level of symbolism in this flag. So the way that the the red part is, how it, it has like a hump, it's, it's about horizon, how it has a star with the starburst you know texas is the lone star state so they added in the starburst and that gave it some additional meaning but 
it really is about being American, which is why it's red, white, and blue. It's not Pan-African, although you're going to see the Pan-African flag at Juneteenth celebrations. And it makes me think of a James Baldwin quote, to be African-American is to be African without any memory and American without any privilege. So I can say for myself, I'm proud to be an American, but I still feel like I don't have the same privileges of a white American. Or I'm not even viewed really as an American. Like people will show me more respect when they find I'm a, I'm a veteran or something like that. Or, But it's not just given to me freely. So I think that's why so many people struggle with wanting to wear the Pan-African colors. But it, absolutely, they are two separate things. You could have both of them at the celebration, but we are American. So that's part of our culture. You're right. You can have both because the the Juneteenth flag, it represents Juneteenth. The Pan-African flag is not just about one day. So it's, mm. it's more about the culture. It's not wrong that people use those colors. It's just, do you know and understand that this is still about being American? And maybe some people reject that, reject that do. notion. But people have fought hard and are still fighting for those rights as an American citizen. The 14th Amendment came along deeming Black folks as citizens. And I, for one, respect and honor the fact that I'm an American and I am going to wear red, white and blue and I'm going to rock that Pan-African flag because I am also Pan-African all at the same time. Yes. So, Latricia, in summary or before we get to our good news and other parts, how do you feel overall about the foolery, the Juneteenth foolery? Overall, about the foolery, I think people need to educate themselves about Juneteenth, about Black culture, and I think people need to stop trying to capitalize, commercialize, and exploit Blackness. The way I feel, I forgot who said this, it's probably somebody like John Maxwell, but there's four stages of development. Um, there's, There's the forming the norming the storming then there's the performing it's something like that along the lines and this is last year was our inaugural juneteenth this is our first anniversary and i remember when we did our first episode in 2019 there were people who had never heard of juneteenth so we are still forming the idea of what Juneteenth is. I went somewhere earlier and they informed us those people are gone because it's a federal holiday and the people, other people in the waiting room were like, federal holiday? What federal holiday? It's June. Am I missing something? So I feel like there's going to be some bumps along the road. There's going to be some people that do ignorant things. It's not our job to educate them. But there's going to be some education that occurs for Black people and even non-Black people. 
and we're just going to have to ride that wave out. And maybe five or 10 years from now, there'll be a clear understanding of what Juneteenth and even five or 10 years from now, 50 years from now, there'll still be some people who will have ignorant things to say. And that's just the way it is. What's our principal challenge based on what we talked about today? Principal challenge. Live them out. Our principal challenge for today is to educate yourself about things before you put them out into the atmosphere. I like it. In our next section, open your mind, heart, and ears as we spread the good news. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the principles, we spread the good news. Karis Jagger and Fabrina Tabak is planning to celebrate Juneteenth with a refreshing Juneteenth cocktail that she has featured on her on their Hey Sister blog that's usually involved hibiscus flowers and rum, kind of hitting on all the things that make up my family. Fans of the Netflix series High on the Hog, How African-American Cuisines Transformed America, will know the significance of red food and drink to this holiday. It's explained in the final episode of season one, which explores Juneteenth, the day in 1865, when African-Americans in Galveston, Texas, finally learned that they were free two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was declared. After they paused to celebrate Juneteenth, the Los Angeles-based friends will resume working on season two of High on the Hall. We're so excited because it was more than visuals. Jagger says, referring to the more modern era that will be covered. A cookbook for Juneteenth and Black celebrations became a bestseller from Nicole A. Taylor. Nicole A. Taylor is a James Beard Award-nominated food writer, master home cook, and producer. She has written for the New York Times, Bon Appetit, and Food and Wine. Nicole is the author of the Up South Cookbook and the last OG Cookbook. She is executive producer of If We So Choose, a short documentary about the desegregation of an iconic Southern fast food joint. Nicole is the co-founder of The Maroon, a marketplace and retreat house focused on radical rest for Black creatives. Ooh, radical rest. I like that. She lives in New York City and Athens, Georgia, with her husband and son. Chef Liz Rogers, the founder, president, and executive chief of Creamalicious, one of the only Black-owned national ice cream brands in mass production. Prides herself on being truly innovative with her whimsical two-in-one desserts that pair freshly baked pastries with homemade ice cream made with only the freshest ingredients. Currently, her products are being sold at thousands of locations of Walmart, Target, and other grocery retailers. Please look for Creamalicious. And that's our good news for today ice cream, soul food, and high on the hog part two. I'm still here for the food. (laughs) Latricia, I know you're going to end us out with some good knowledge, some good things to reflect on with our soul snack. 
Our soul snack for today comes from an African proverb, and it says, not to know is bad. Not to wish to know is worse. That's our show for today. Until next time, expand your minds and impact your communities. Thanks for listening to Living the Principles podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.